22 million 480,000 was the low and we're not too far off that but look at the drawdown since silver squeeze and Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marquez here with you for Arcadia Economics. And once again, it's time for this week's weekly physical silver report where check in with the premiums, availability of products, any other things that have happened on the retail level of the silver market. Also have some news to touch on. And I know uh, Andy Sheckman, who is here joining me, is quite excited about last week's resolution to the debt ceiling and the fiscal prudence demonstrated by everyone involved. So uh, plenty to catch up and talk about this week. So Andy, it's nice to have you in here as always. And how are you doing today? It's always always my day brightener to see you, Chris. Good good to see you, brother. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I think it's funny as hell that all these politicians call it fiscal prudence when you are um, increasing your, your, your debt level because you're not able to live within your budget. And the wasteful spending, it's just... It's ridiculous. And they try and pass us this along as being responsible instead of irresponsible. And, and it's their behavior, the, 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 the lack of any fiscal sanity that is where the irresponsibility lies, not in calling American Express and saying, listen, I've maxed out all of my cards. Can I have one more, please? And this time they didn't even put a limit on it. There is no limit on the debt ceiling for the next few years. And it's just it's really a disgrace as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, look, I think it's very important that people remember that they don't have to bet their life savings in terms of what they keep in dollars on this, this less than stellar leadership that we find ourselves in. This is why we talk about finding some sort of semblance of sanity with gold and silver, being your own bank, your own retirement account, your own 401k. Um, because they're not doing a good job of preserving the purchasing power. And, and again, like we talked about last week, man, all of this ignores the one topic that no one has any guts to tackle, and that is Social Security and, and Medicare and Medicaid. These obligations to the American public um, are not even discussed in these debt ceiling conversations. That $32 trillion debt does not include Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, government, military pensions that all exceed in total north of a hundred plus trillion dollars, three to four times what the thirty-two trillion dollar debt really is, and it, it's it's um, it's not something that I think will go away, and we'll be doing the same thing in two years. And I think it's an embarrassment that that this country, the most advanced, prosperous nation on the planet finds itself in this predicament continually. And as I mentioned last week, remember, it was just, what, uh, six months ago when Janet Yellen had to raise the debt ceiling by, by um, taking, um, what was the, the phrase that she used, extreme measures, which meant borrowing money from the Postal Service's retirement account, the Civil Servant's retirement account, and the Disabled Veterans retirement account. We keep pillaging and taking from Peter to pay Paul to conduct ridiculous monetary or fiscal policy spending uh, so wasteful that um, I don't know it, it it's I don't look at it as being uh, uh, anything but irresponsible to have gotten in this place not irresponsible raising the debt ceiling it just continues the the irresponsible behavior I guess 
Well, I mean, it, it's quite a fascinating arrangement where, uh, on one hand, uh, obviously, if you a default in the treasury market, not ideal yet. I don't, I don't remember hearing anywhere through that entire debate any recognition of the fact that it's a big number. It's getting bigger, but there's not really, I've never in the entire time I've been doing this heard of any sort of plan of, well, how is this ever going to be repaid? I mean, like, <laughs> maybe it's a good thing they don't sit there and say, well, you know, we're going to start paying it down. I mean, they just ignore that. And, and, and then you have this other dynamic at the same time where I think the world is still uncertain of, you know, what else do we go to? And and we sit here reading every day and there's a lot of truth to it where I don't know if China has the infrastructure that's really set up to be the world's reserve currency and you have a lot of the same fiscal issues there yet. It's just kind of stunning that you, you get the thing lifted yet still you see the amounts bigger and I don't, I don't know. Do you hear this is an issue? This is an issue of spending, Chris, pure and simple. We took in $5 trillion in revenue, tax revenue last year. Uh, you go back to 2017, that would have covered the entire budget and left a half a trillion dollars over to pay down the debt. But we continue to pile on these stupid, ridiculous spending uh, um, obligations like $150 billion to the Ukraine, and we're broke, we're insolvent, and we continue to spend like we're wealthy. Yes, we have a, a prosperous country, so to speak, but our government is indebted to a degree that probably can never be paid off. And, you know, you listen to, I listened to Rand Paul give uh, a, a discussion, uh, I guess, a, a, a speech to, to the House floor. And he basically said, all you need to do, and, and no one will ever listen to him, is to take 1% off of everything, top to bottom, 1% for five years. And at the end of that period of time, he claims the the budget will be balanced. But all of this ignores these massive obligations to the American people. You balance the budget today, we are still so far indebted, it, it's it's extraordinary. And yet you see the Fed talk about continuing to raise rates because this, this fight with inflation, this supposed fight with inflation is never going to go away as they continue to spend more than they take in. Inflation is, a, is an increase in, in the money supply. So yeah, it's coming down right now. You see it really coming down right now, but there was so much money pumped into the system, which is working its way through. And the obligations down the road are so extreme that either we continue that behavior of inflation or we default one or the other. And these are the things that aren't being discussed. And it's time that we have an honest discussion about it. It's not anywhere to be found on either side of the aisle, except from a guy like Rand Paul, who the media just glosses over. So yeah, I don't know, Chris. It, it's it's a big deal. And I think, you know, to your point, you don't know if China has the infrastructure to do it. No, they don't, but maybe together with the rest of the BRICS nations, they do. And and I think our foreign creditors certainly watch the dysfunction that we have here on every level, from from our elections to, you know, to our finances and and to our our woke uh, agenda that, you know, doesn't to me inspire confidence for a would-be you know empire or the strongest most prosperous nation on the planet and this is why you're seeing such de-dollarization going on 
It's going to be interesting to watch and see how long said trend continues for. I had pulled up a moment ago. I'll pull it up again. Here was an article on Zero Hedge uh, mentioning debt will rise from $31 trillion to $50 trillion by 2023. And that was assuming rather benign economic and market conditions, which we know rarely persist uninterrupted. And you see how things really started skyrocketing at year 2000. And by the time the second Bush was out, we've gone from five to just about 10, doubled again under Obama. Interest expense on the debt also becoming a bigger factor, which uh, Craig Hemke has been sharing a chart over the last week in his column on how leave uh, about 50% of that debt is coming due in the next two to three years, which is theoretically going to be rolled over if we have higher interest rates for longer. So some unanswered questions out there, which again is why many of us, uh, the ones watching the show, obviously you and I turned to gold and silver in the midst of a lot of this. And I'm curious, uh, don't think we updated it last week, but we had premiums a little bit on the lower side coming into the year, then had spiked during the banking issues for the better part of two months, then things have come back in again. And just curious where things stand with the premiums in the recent weeks. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, I read Ed Steer and and I read uh, Ted Butler. And you know, these guys talk about this massive shortage of wholesale bars, which when you see like you and I were talking before the show here, the bleed down of the registered category, down to nearly uh, like almost its lowest level ever, maybe the second or third lowest 27 plus million ounces in the registered category. When you see all of this metal being delivered off exchange for physical, when you see the largest one day delivery of silver off the Shanghai exchange in its history since they started trading silver, you can understand that big money is, is accumulating silver. No question about it. Yet on this end, in terms of availability and premium, it's really, it's really not that bad at all. Uh, you would think this would be a precursor to uh, the inevitable um, higher premiums and, and difficulty getting product. And I love this guy's, uh, this guy's um, graphs. I love the way he does it. But yeah, you can see there's, you know, 22,480 was, 22,480,000 was the low. And we're not too far off that. But look at the drawdown since Silver Squeeze. And this is very methodical and i think that's part of the game is to let this go along out and far as they possibly can so that they can continue to drain the system of what it has available and you can see that it's not just focused on the comex like i mentioned the biggest one day delivery ever on the shanghai exchange and and the lbma delivering and the etfs delivering and these are very sophisticated traders who are doing this and you can see they're just gathering as much of the physical as they can, gaming the paper system in order to do it. And when this is let go, when they say, well, no one wants to sell us anymore, let's stop shorting the price. I think it'll be something to behold. It is in my mind, unquestionably the most undervalued asset on the planet. And one whose its, it, its uses continue to expand, not only in its monetary demand, but of course the well-documented industrial applications as well. Yeah, that this is um, a very unusual time, namely because there's so many things happening around us that should should manifest itself in much higher prices. That's the counterintuitive price action that trips everybody out. 
and make some say, screw it. I, you know, I can't deal with it, but this is what the big money is intentionally doing. And what betrays the price action is the drawdown from these exchanges, as I keep mentioning. I mean, you and I and Rafi tried to take possession of a thousand ounce bar. Now, granted, it was through a different platform, but in order to get it delivered, the three of us together, and I own a major precious metals company, it was hard as hell. It was not easy. And I can tell you that this is a sophisticated endeavor. And to do it all around the globe in, in concert fashion, where it, you're seeing it from all the major spots being drained and countries like India importing 300 plus million ounces, it tells you we're getting very close to the end of the ballgame. And I think that's what people need to grasp and hold on to. Um, because if price was truly a reflection of value, then you would not see what you are seeing by not only the biggest money in the world. Yes, this, the amount that they're taking is huge, but it's sophistication. And that, to me, speaks volumes. These, these are big money that do not want you to have any idea what they're doing. And it's only people like you and I who are the fringe who can find that information. What's been taken off the LBMA? What's been taken off the Shanghai Exchange? What's been backdoored out of the ETFs? And what's coming off the COMEX? It's not easy to find. And certainly you don't find it on any, any mainstream publication anywhere. And so, yeah, it, it is, it might be right in our face because we know where to look, but the rest of the, the rest of the country, the rest of the world has no idea of this repositioning that is taking place. And they are using price suppression with great leverage of over 30 times on the COMEX to run cover for it. So yeah, uh, this is a golden opportunity. If you're look, talking about getting silver, availability, premium, uh, spot price, all three are really very attractive. And most of the stuff that people would want, I have in stock right now for immediate delivery. Like what you said, it was a golden opportunity in the silver market. That was kind of right. clever. And, uh... yeah. In terms of the Eagles, we did have a question from one of our super fans, the Jakester, who loves his American Eagles. He was wondering what is going on with the American Eagle premiums as well as junk silver. Junk silver premiums come down a bit, and it's at entering that range where I would think about it again. Uh, silver Eagles are still incredibly elevated. I think we're north of $13.5 on the back dates. And I'll tell you real quick on the current issue. Uh, oh boy, I don't know if I can tell you at this moment. Maybe I can. They're probably right around $16 would be my guess on the 2023s. Uh, they are Silver Eagles. Sorry, sorry, sorry. U.S. Eagle. 1550 over and so that's obnoxious and you know this is um this is a result of them only making 900,000 coins per month which is roughly 25 percent of what i've seen them do many years before so when janet yellen goes on their website telling us that they've ramped up production for the most popular silver coin in the world no they're not well there it looks like they're uh they made a little bit more here this month, but yeah, they're they're certainly not making enough to meet demand, and premiums as a result have stayed elevated for the better part of three years. Yeah, and that was one of the other things I wanted to ask about. I know that you are an authorized purchaser at the U.S. Mint. Do they ever give you any insight as to why the production has been so low, given the premiums? Uh, 
and you have let's call it four, five, six, seven, eight and a half ish in the first five months of 2023, and look back here. Here are some figures from there's 30 million, 34 million, 40, 42 million, 44, 47. So they've done a lot more in the past. Has there ever been any sort of insight as to why the production numbers are so low, especially given the demand that is out there right now? No, and and it's interesting if you look at, you know, 2012 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16. I mean, those are the worst years ever to, to be in the precious metals market. Silver went from $50 in 2011. And I don't know what it finished uh, 2016 at, but I remember saying to myself, then who the hell's buying all these silver eagles when silver was just getting crushed and um, people were buying Bitcoin. And this is one of the theories that Ted Butler talks about, that he believes that it was the U.S. government um, buying these, uh, or, you know, or J.P. Morgan, rather, excuse me, sorry, J.P. Morgan, maybe that was a, uh, a Freudian slip, but J.P. Morgan buying silver eagles and melting them down into thousand ounce bars, which I, I don't know why they would do that, but that's what his theory is. And that's how they amassed part of the way that they amassed over a billion ounces of silver by his estimation. One that I, I certainly support. I think he's very smart, but you know, you ask yourself, why is it when there's record demand over the last three years that the number of, of Eagles they make is ridiculous yet in the, in the midst of silver getting, you know, generationally clobbered, they're making 40 plus million each year. It's really very strange. And no, they don't tell us. They really don't tell us. In fact, it's it, the the they're anything but that when you see Janet Yellen saying we've ramped up production. That's their mantra. Yeah, well, we're doing the best we can. And um, you know, it, it's it's not about the fact that they they can't get blanks because I think it was you who discovered that they actually, I think it was you, that they actually buy the thousand ounce bars, they take possession of them and send them to Sunshine. Who makes the blanks for them? And there was a lot of question about that, but you had the um, the head of Sunshine Mint it was it, it might have been on your show or someone else's who who came on and said, yeah, that they deliver us the the thousand ounce bars and we turn them into um, uh, to to the rounds. And so it wasn't an issue of them not being able to get rounds like a lot of people think. And I would argue that why couldn't they just take possession of more thousand ounce bars and 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 ramp this up if it were that important? I don't know. It's very strange to me, Chris. Yeah, and here we can see on the chart, as you were mentioning, the those years 2014, 15, 16, we see silver getting below $15, a nice $13.88 print there back in November of 2015. So I mean, there, I was thinking of getting out of the, you know, I was hiding under my desk by 2017. Like by 2017 at the end, I mean, no one was buying metals and everyone was selling and buying Bitcoin. And it was, you know, so you ask yourself, who the hell was buying all of these, these silver coins as the price was getting clobbered? Kind of sounds like something JP Morgan would do, uh, knock the price down and go on an accumulation binge. And, um, you know, I, all I can simply tell you is that uh, the demand is off the charts or has been for three years on, on, a, on a on a silver relative basis. As I've been saying to you since 2020, I mean, if I were to add, and I don't know this number, I'm just going to guesstimate, but if I put the last three years together and gave it a, um, 
an estimation, I would say 90% or better of every sale we've done record three years in a row have been silver. And so for them to, you know, say that they're ramping up production, yet I sell way more of everything else than Eagles. And the premiums have been way like statistically, it's an anomaly how high they are in relation to the other coins. Something's not right. And, you know, this is what breeds that conspiracy theory type of thought and this fine line between what is true and what is not. I don't know what the answer is. I, I um, you know, I, I, a lot of people just want silver eagles these days too, because of what's happening in the States. And um, I will tell everyone when they call in, look, I love the American Eagle. It's my favorite silver coin, but is it really worth it? In a historical context? No. Wondering what comes next? Maybe, but um, no, they're, they're still very elevated. I'd buy the back dates right now and save a few bucks. They're just as good as far as I'm concerned. So, you know, a silver eagle is a silver eagle. One of the questions that I've yet to figure out is what the hell is the notch for? They call it uh, anti-counterfeiting, but no one really knows. And no one, there's no information out there. You ask people and they just say it's anti-counterfeiting. Okay, great. What does that mean? You know, you look at the gold eagle has the notch. The gold buffalo doesn't have the notch. What the hell does the notch mean anyway? But anyways, I digress. Silver eagles are a little too expensive. Junk silvers come back down. I think it's somewhere around eight, eight and a half bucks, somewhere in that neighborhood over the price of silver. And it's a little bit more reasonable than it has been for the past several weeks or at least few months. Um, so I'm okay talking about that again. It's still elevated, but not as high as it was. Okay. And I guess I'm curious, uh, perhaps the last one we'll hit today where we have Fed meeting coming up next week. Seems like they're now leaning towards the pause again with the potential that it's a skip rather than a pause. Love how the uh, linguistic significance of each precious word the Fed takes on yet. Do you think that maybe this will require eventually just hitting some sort of supply gap uh, to really see a, a significant move in the price? And I ask that in the sense that we did a roundtable last week with Michael DiRienzo from the Silver Institute, Peter Kraut, and Jorge, who runs Fortuna Silver. We're going through, even aside from the money printing, Federal Reserve, just that you have a deficit. You have a silver price that has not brought money back into the sector, that is not bringing new primary silver projects online. So no one was really able to figure out how in the medium or longer term we're not running into an issue. Do you think that is what might be required to, to see a change in the pricing environment that we have? There's a deficit. We know that. It's probably one that will continue. You're only seeing 30, 35% of all the silver mine coming from companies like those that, that specifically mine silver. Uh, I think it'll be something more along the lines of a banking crisis that wakes up the public. And there's so much money out there that if the public wakes up to uh, half a dozen banks like that collapsing, look, when you see Janet Yellen issuing a trillion dollars in short-term you know, treasuries, over the next few weeks, I've several hundred. I thought you were going to say a trillion dollars in a platinum coin there, but yeah, well, maybe that's next on the docket. But what you are hearing, that sucking noise you hear, is all the money leaving the banks, going directly to the treasury. Whether it be going to the commercial banks through money markets or the big money in the commercial banks going directly to the treasury, and buying 
these treasuries yielding five and six percent with with no risk, uh, why would you stay in the banks? And I think you will see some banks fail. I think that's that's intended. After all, that is what you know. We talked about this before. The their Biden's two main advisors, Jared Bernstein and Lael Brainerd. One wants to get rid of the banks, and the other wants to lose the dollar's world reserve status. You couldn't draw it up any better. The path that they are on. I think that you will see several banks fail hard and they'll be bailed in. There will be no JP Morgan or Fed to the rescue. The FDIC is already all but insolvent. And so I think you will see um, they'll fail. And that's when people will freak out. And that's when I think you'll see prices rise at least from a global in, uh, monetary investment uh, point of view. And maybe that's when you see this battle between the investables and the and the industrials, where the hedge funds realize this is the opportunity of a generation when you look at these prices and the commercials say, shit, we better get this. We need it now or we're screwed. We need this for future production. I think it will actually be triggered on this side of the table, not on the industrial, but maybe that's what motivates the industrials to really jump in and take a, a, an aggressive position and when we're getting this close to, you know, the lowest all-time stockpile on the registered category, you're setting up for one hell of a battle when that happens. Well, we shall see how it proceeds going forward. And it is an interesting environment when you look at that supply and demand, which I know does not always play out the next day or the next week. But certainly, I don't know that that was quite as much, or it definitely wasn't quite as much the case when I first started looking at silver about 15 years ago now, and um, but certainly perhaps an uh, extra layer of security for the silver investor out there. And Andy, in wrapping up, if people are looking to purchase silver, is there anything on special this week that you have available? With a 10-ounce silver Ital Preziosi bars at 349 over spot, we're continuing that from last week. And the one-quarter ounce, for the guy that asked about junk silver, the one-quarter ounce 2023 um, Armenian Noah's Ark coin. It's made by the Geiger Mint in Germany, probably the highest quality mint I've ever seen. They come in boxes of 500 coins, and it's about this big. It's a small box, um, quarter ounce, a piece, about the size of a nickel, beautiful Really good way, I think, if you're looking for something to barter with, if that ever were to happen. Uh, and you could argue, you know, it's kind of apropos uh, the Noah's Ark theme where, you know, reluctantly preparing for what is coming. And I think this is a good way to do it. So those are 325 per coin over melt. So you take the price of silver, you divide by four, add three and a quarter. That is the price of the Noah's Ark. 349 per ounce. Over, over spot on the 10 ounce Ital Preziosi Italian 10 ounce bars. Well, appreciate that. And I know uh, people appreciate you put something on special each week and get interesting times out there. We'll just keep following and making the best of it as we can going forward and appreciate you making some time and we'll look forward to catching Always. up with you again next week. You'll be catching up next week with me from Italy. And I look forward to uh, whatever the background is. Uh, We'll, uh, we'll do it on the fly. I look forward to doing it then. Well, that sounds good. We'll look forward to seeing you there. Thanks. Well, thank you, Andy, as always, for this week's Physical Silver Report. Certainly nice to see that the premiums on silver are staying down and would imagine that might be the case until we get the next round of banking issues, which with another Fed hike potentially on the way, more likely perhaps in the July than the June meeting, 
We'll see if the pressure on the banks, especially in the retail sector, continues, along with the commercial real estate loans that are coming due later this year, which certainly has the potential to spark more pressure on there. So either case, hopefully you found this one helpful at home. And before we wrap up, would like to thank BlackRock Silver, who brought us today's show. And as I have mentioned before, BlackRock recently got the permit to begin their drilling program at their Silver Cloud project. They got some good drill results at Silver Cloud late in 2022, then followed that up with the metallic screen assay in January of 2023, which brought back the 1.52 meters grading 70 grams per ton gold and 600 grams per ton silver. And they have been mapping out their drilling program, which is now permitted and ready to begin. Andrew Pollard of BlackRock mentions that they believe the vein could extend up to two kilometers on the north-northwest orientation. And this phase one drill program will test an initial 500 meters of that strike potential as part of an overall 2200 meter drill campaign. So congratulations to BlackRock. I know they've been excited to begin the drilling there. Now they have the permanent place and will be able to do that. Find out more about BlackRock at blackrocksilver.com. And with that said, going to wrap up for today, but we'll look forward to seeing you back here again tomorrow.